This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Week 15 is here. Let's finish breakfast and grab a beer. Uh, I don't drink much beer these days, but I'll have one with you because football is so damned exciting, isn't it? Thanks for giving me some time. I'm Dan McNeil. This is another edition of the Danny Mac Podcast. So glad you've decided to spend some time with me today. I hope I make it entertaining and interesting for you, which is what I expect the lid lifter of this week's action to be tonight with the San Francisco 49ers taking their young quarterback up to Seattle to take on a Seahawks team, and it should be a rowdy environment tonight up in the Northwest. I love that part of the country. I've never seen a Seahawks game in Seattle. I walked right by it as it sits down in the harbor area. The, uh, the All of the commerce that you see, the Pike Place fish market, that's all walking distance from where the Seahawks play, where the Mariners play at Safeco. And in the summer, that area just sparkles down by the pier. Lots of things to do there, including see a good football team with a quarterback who is one of the most amazing stories in the country this year in the NFL. I've never seen anything like what Geno Smith has done with the Seahawks. But I want to start you I want to start before Bears-Eagles, before stuff regarding the Seahawks and the bet of the year coming up a little bit later on with Kyle Shanahan. It was Shanny's birthday yesterday. The head coach of the 49ers turned 43. Now, that is outside of the official designation for status as a millennial, but in his burning desire to stay connected, Two millennials and stay cool in that 49ers locker room. Their head coach still wears that flat build cap that my sons, all three of them millennials, showed me maybe a dozen, 15 years ago when my oldest son got his first car, when Van got his Mazda 6 and started putting the hats with skateboard logos across the back panel of uh, by the back windshield for ornaments, uh, decorative accents to who he is. And I'm like, well, when are you going to take those off and wear them? I mean, they look very nice. He goes, oh, well, I'm not going to take them off. And I said, oh, okay, uh, so they can forever not be shaped to your head. And he says, no, we don't wear hats that way these days. And I look at him and he's wearing, I don't remember which Colorado micro brew hat he was wearing at the time, but I said, that looks dumb that way. And he said, Dad, that's the way everybody wears them. And I thought it was just my kids who had a 
a fashion blemish. No, that is the way everybody wears their hats these days. I've noticed it's not just my own. It's a trend, including an NFL coach, Kyle Shanahan. Hey, man, I'm chill inside that locker room. I feel you. I'll wear my hat the same way you guys do because I understand the modern athlete a member of the Lucky Sperm Club. Kyle Shanahan broke into the league with the Texans and then got a coordinator job very early in his career. It was with the Browns. I think this is around 2011 or 2012. He's well-traveled. He's been around a little bit and later with uh, Washington when they were called the Redskins for his dad. He didn't last long in Cleveland. He ruffled a lot of feathers there. And I'm sure he learned at the feet of of Mike Shanahan, a two-time Super Bowl champion, as head coach of the Denver Broncos. I'm sure he learned this stuff, and he, but he did have a key to the club before he had earned it. And I'm not at all convinced that he isn't a guy who isn't entitled. That's how he strikes me. I think it's bad to to judge a book by its cover, a person by his face. But Shanahan, to me, always possessed. I don't like this guy face. I, I, I just there's something about Kyle Shanahan that has rubbed me wrong, though I can't quite put my finger on it. Maybe knowing a little bit about getting uh, getting mouthy with members of the Browns organization before he really had earned his NFL spurs. Maybe it has something to do with his fingerprints being on the biggest collapse in Super Bowl history. And that's what I would get for Kyle Shanahan yesterday had I been more thoughtful and picked up a gift for him on his 43rd birthday. I'd have a hat made up for him, a flat-billed hat, of course, not one that you could shape around your face to actually frame your face, which is something that a hat does nicely for you, I would have picked up an iBlue Super Bowl 51 cap. I'd have to have it made. You know, I don't think they have those. Uh, There's no more Boston Shirt Yard. There's no more um, Woodmar Mall down the street from my house either, for that matter, where I used to go get T-shirts made with uh, slogans and things that you couldn't find conventionally on store shelves. I've never seen an iBlue Super Bowl 51 hat. I'm not going to go with the Roman numerals on it. I'm just going to go with the letters. I blew Super Bowl 51 and give it to Shanahan, who could wind up winning coach of the year this year because of how screwed up his decision was going into the season to start a year with Trey Lance. He was smart enough to keep Garoppolo, Jimmy G, on the roster and needed him immediately because Lance went down opening day against the Bears, and the Bears beat the 49ers. I I am not a Shanahan guy, but I love his football team defensively, and I love the way this week starts because the Seahawks are fighting for their playoff lives. They need to win this thing after peeing the bed last week and losing a game at home to the lowly Carolina Panthers. It has not gone well for the 49ers in Seattle. In the last 20 years, they have struggled mightily, winning only five of the 20 games against the Seattle's divisional opponents. Of course, they play each other twice a year. And since Pete Carroll took the job, rookie quarterbacks have been terrible against his Seahawks. They are 2-10 and 10 
with Carroll as the headmaster there in Seattle. It's rookie quarterbacks have it tough anywhere they go, but on the road in that place with a playoff spot on the line, that is a real difficult assignment for young Brock Purdy. I can't quite figure out who he most resembles, but I'm thinking the last of the three Spider-Men, not Andrew Garfield, uh, not Tobey Maguire, but the last kid who has played Spider-Man, that's who Brock Purdy resembles a little bit, although more with his helmet on than with his helmet off. He's going to go tonight. There's not a doubt in my mind he's going to suit up tonight and play for the 49ers. They are trying to get home field at least for a round during the playoffs. They're cruising to the division championship if they win this thing tonight. And the Seahawks have to win this thing to keep their playoff hopes alive. They have got to stay in the mix. They really couldn't afford that stumble they had last week against the Panthers. Can't undo it, however. In those 20 meetings in Seattle, the last 20 years, the 49ers are scoring only 15 points per game. They're giving up 26 points per game. Brock Purdy is a three-point favorite tonight as we open the investment opportunities here at Bet Rivers for Week 15. The total in the game is 43. I'm staying off. I'm sticking to my credo. You don't have to play every game in the country just because it's there for you. I had a good week last week. I won a little bit. Let me rephrase that. I earned a little bit of money. You don't win things. You earned it. You you scouted that parlay that was so very, very true to you when you had the noon slash 325 double scoop last week. And then I had a couple of losers in the afternoon slate already invested on. I don't take earnings and say, okay, look at this house money. Let's spray it around. No, I make the moves before the ball goes in the air at noon. And that's it for the day. If I didn't like it, at 11 o'clock in the morning or at Thursday afternoon at 2 o'clock when I decided to price shop, why would I like it at 3.05? Just because I won money? No, that's not how the macker is rolling these last few years, and that's why I have won more than I've lost. And having a couple of weeks back-to-back with a few parlays come in for me set me up really nicely for this 15th week. I am well, well within budget and I'm starting to think about that big move I'll get to in just a little bit. There's a $10 kangaroo court fine for letting my cell phone ring during the recording of the Danny Mac podcast. How could I do that? Sorry, I was supposed to turn it on silence, but I failed to do so. Let me get you to Bears and Eagles. That's the one you're here for. That's the one most people in these parts, assuming you're a Chicago area guy, are thinking about right now. The Eagles are nine-point favorites coming in to this Week 15 matchup. We have a total of 48.5 for the Bears and Eagles. Philly has covered several straight games. I think they've covered three in a row. The Eagles are 8-5 and five against the spread on the year. Seven of their 12 wins have been by nine points or more, so they are capable of putting a team in the rearview mirror and keeping the foot on the gas pedal. Now, 
they don't have a healthy complement of players. Right tackle Lane Johnson was limited in practice with an abdominal injury. Wednesday, left guard Landon Dickinson has a back. He also isn't at 100%. And I'm not going to be stupid and say they don't need to be because these are the Bears and the Bears are bad. Look, these are NFL players. As bad as the Bears are defensively, as much roster turnover as you realistically can expect for next year. There may only be only, you know, just five, four or five guys who wind up being starters next year who are on the roster today. You have to figure Brisker, who has had a decent rookie year, the second round pick out of Penn State, and uh, he is back this week as the Bears are getting closer to full strength on defense. Kyler Gordon also is expected to be back. Both of those players had been in concussion protocol. On the other hand, they lost Eddie Jackson for the season with a Liz Frank injury. That's one word, by the way. That's not that's not somebody named Liz who married a guy named Frank. That's Liz Frank. Liz Frank, because it's a C at the end. Um, I just learned that about five years ago. All these years, I thought it was named after somebody. No, it's a Liz Frank injury. That's the injury itself. Nobody named Liz ever had that injury. Or Frank. Eddie Jackson done for the year, and I start to wonder if Jackson's career as a bear is, uh, is, is finished. He is a pricey cap hit. Should they decide to keep him as part of the mix? He had a little bit of a bounce back year this year. He wound up with four interceptions and a couple of a, a couple of more physical tackles, which was a criticism I had. You don't get any more points for them, but maybe you get a receiver thinking about you and, and short arming a pass when he runs down across the middle and sees your jersey number four, or in the case of Jackson earlier in his career, 39. So I think there's something to say for that still, but there's not much emphasis put on it in today's game. Players are far more concerned about getting a penalty thrown on them because thrown at them because they hit the guy in the head or a targeting call. You don't want that. And Eddie Jackson hasn't had to worry about that much in his career. He's not a very physical player, but he's been a little bit more aggressive this year. I'll be eager to see what Ryan Poles and the Bears brass think of this. Think of this guy in the offseason when they construct next year's roster. What I want to see from the Bears in these final four games and you probably won't see it this week. Chase Claypool didn't practice. He's nursing a knee injury. I want to see Fields and Claypool establish some sort of connection. He has been a colossal disappointment since they made the trade with the Steelers. He's caught 12 passes in five games for 111 yards an average of 9.3 yards per reception, and he is yet to taste the sweet nectar of the end zone. That's a Mitch Holtis uh, thing. He's the Kansas City Chiefs announcer. He is yet to, these are these are numbers that are a good day for an NFL wide receiver. These are numbers you see Tyreek Hill post in a day. Uh, these are, are numbers you see for some, you know, AJ Brown in Philadelphia has had games like that this year. Cooper Cup before getting hurt in week 10, 12 catches for 111 yards, but no touchdowns. That's five games of work for Chase Claypool. That's not acceptable. You got to get him going. 
And if Justin Fields doesn't play the game or doesn't play the entire game, there's no Trevor Simeon to bail the Bears out as there was a few weeks ago when they played the Jets. Nathan Peterman is the backup this week. So that that kind of makes me a little sheepish about the total because I love the over in this thing at 48 and a half. The Eagles are getting Dallas Goddard, their fine tight end, back in the lineup this week. And Jalen Hurts has been terrific. There's a reason he's the favorite for MVP. He's the best player in the league this year. There have been some very, very good ones. Everybody in that league is good. But most valuable, I think, goes most to the Eagles quarterback. They have the best record in the league at 12-1. and They have the best point differential at 380 or at 186. Some of these point differentials are just crazy to me that you have three teams that have really four teams that have distinguished themselves. And the Eagles are at the top of the list. The Cowboys also are very, very high on that list. Now what that means in the end, nothing. You could have the best points differential in the league and get beat in the wild card round. Chances are you won't be in the wild card round. You've earned a buy. But remember, now in this 17 playoff, this is the third year of it, only one team earns the buy. Philly hasn't done it yet, but it is, it is circling the runway on landing that plane. And I think the Eagles will represent the NFC. I'll get to that a little bit more a little bit later on after a couple of this weekend's games. But I like the Eagles to cover the nine against the Bears this week. They have a terrific running game, and it includes, of course, Jalen Hurts. He has been hard to stop, and the Bears don't stop you whether you want to run it or throw it. This defense is terrible. It's the worst defense I can remember since the 70s when they had only one or two players who you actually enjoyed watching every week. They had a defensive tackle named Wally Chambers. Those of you baby boomers, you'll remember. You'll remember that one with me, number 60. And Doug Buffon, good old number 55. But uh, lots of lean years from that Bears defense. And that's what this one reminds me of. I love Philadelphia laying nine against the Bears. I think that's a no-brainer. There's three games Saturday. You've got the Colts and Vikings Saturday at noon. The Vikings favored by four and a half after a lousy performance against the Lions. Not discrediting the Lions. I'm impressed with what Dan Campbell has done, winning five of his last six there. But the Vikings at, at 10 and three, have just underwhelmed me. And there's no such thing as style points. A win's a win. A loss is a loss. But, man, they just are underwhelming at 10-3, and aren't they? The Vikings, four-and-a-half-point favorites at home. They should be able to handle that against the Colts, although I'm not playing it. Um, There's not a ton the Vikings have to play for. They've won the NFC North. They're not going to get the number one seed. Philly is unlikely to surrender that. Um, so I'm staying away. Ravens and Browns at 3.30 Saturday afternoon. The Browns are a three-point favorite. You've got a total of 37. Ravens got to step on the gas here and uh, and start playing consistently. A road win would go a long way for building their confidence. And the uh, the bigger game, the AFC 
Dolphins and Bills Saturday night. Buffalo is a seven-point favorite. The total is 43-and-a-half right now at Bet Rivers. That's 7-15 Saturday night. I like the Saturday night editions. We don't have college ball unless we're watching bowl games, and many of us prefer the pro game anyway to college football. So I, I'm, I'm all over these games. The weather sucks here this weekend. It's going to be cold. It's indoor time. And even if you go to the club and uh, the health club and get on the stair climber or the arm bike, whatever it is you do, you can watch these games. And that's what I plan to do Saturday. Colts, Vikings, Ravens, Browns, Dolphins, Bills, wetting the appetite for uh, Sundays. Whoever thought this would be a big week 15 game? Lions and Jets are getting it on this weekend. Woohoo! The Lions and Dan Campbell. They have protected Jared Goff very, very well. And maybe Jared Goff is not the quarterback who takes the Lions to their first Super Bowl, who gets them their first playoff win since they beat the Cowboys in 91. That's how long it has been since Detroit won a playoff game. Maybe it'll be somebody else, but I really believe what the Lions have done these last few weeks will be valuable for the young players who are developing, and that starts with an offensive line. Maybe it won't be Jared Goff behind them, but these young players, and they've drafted high uh, with offensive linemen, and it's starting to produce some, some fruit on the vine, and I like that. I think that's what Bears fans who are specifically are are solely rooting for draft position are missing. You got a fifth round pick in Braxton Jones, your left tackle. You want to see him get better against the best pass rushers in the league. You want to see the bears be able to establish the run, not just the big splash runs you've seen from fields this year. And before he went on the IR, Justin Herbert, where Khalil Herbert was one of those guys. But you you want to see them more consistently establish a running game called runs, not just when Fields decides to tuck it in and go because nobody has has gained separation. Other games worth uh, worth a peek on Sunday: the Giants and Commanders to uh, to wrap it all up on Sunday night. That's a real good game. Washington, a four and a half point favorite over the Giants, who proved they weren't up for the elite this past week. I thought they would do better than they did against the Cowboys, but uh, not the case anyway. That should be a good game. And earlier in the day, you've got Bengals and Buccaneers as Tampa limps its way toward an NFC South division title unless Carolina jumps up and takes it from them. Monday night's punctuation. The Rams and the Packers. Boy, who thought that game would suck when we saw it on the schedule back in August? Man, week 15 wraps up Rams and Packers on Monday night. And you're getting a look at a Rams team that is en route to potentially setting a new standard for worst Super Bowl champion encore performance. The 99 Broncos went 6-10. and 10 after they won the Super Bowl in John Elway's final year in the league. That's what the Rams are looking at with no Cooper Cup for the duration, with a gimpy Matt Stafford if he plays at all. Uh, Aaron Donald has shut it down. That's a lousy football team. So uh, I am hoping the Packers can muster something up 
and uh, and beat the Rams. I would like to see Sean McVay have that distinction. That is my wish for him, as I have that wish for Kyle Shanahan for the flat build Super Bowl Fifty One choke artist hat. Let's talk about gambling as a philosophy. Let's let's reflect on the movie Rounders. And if you've not seen the Rounders, bear with me for a minute. There are some fantastic sports gaming philosophies shared by the main character who's played by Matt Damon. The character is Mikey McDermott. He's a law student, but his passion is hanging out with his buddy, the worm played by Ed Norton and, and earning money playing cards. And I say earning because as Mikey McDermott notes to his girlfriend played by Gretchen Mole, the unpleasant, uh, Gretchen Mole in that film. Anyway, it's a skill game. It's not gambling. Well, Ed Norton is more of a gambler. The worm likes to play it fast and loose. He also likes to cheat, but he gets careless and turns profit into debt very quickly. And before he knows it, Mikey McDermott, Damon's character, has to help Worm settle a $15,000 debt or I start breaking things, says Grandma in Rounders. So they hit the town. They're going to go clean up every poker game they possibly can, and it's all going to be on Mikey McDermott. It's all going to be on Damon to play it straight. No cheating. There's the union game in Jersey. They do very, very well there. They hit the Greeks. They hit, uh, as Joey Kanish says, that goulash game on 88th Street, I think is where it was. But then they have a stumble at the golf pro game. Mikey got bluffed off of the pot. He folded. And the cheese ball golf pro who took down the pot was trash talking at the end. And that aggravated the worm even more, even though he's not playing. He's sort of just advising and trying to keep Mikey McDermott upright. And Worm says to him, you can't lose a pot to a blank like that. I, I deleted the, the, the racial slur for you. Um, we talked about it. strong moves. And Damon pulls back on him and says, hey, the move was folding. I can't lose what I don't put in the middle. Let's talk about that credo. Playing it safe. Not losing what you don't put in the middle. Yes, it's true. Yes, I preach being smart with a budget, sticking to the budget, not playing every game just because it's the only game on and it's a national game and you want to be right. I preach making a few moves a week. That has won me a little bit of money. I think three of the last four years. I'm only down a little bit this year. But by playing a little bit each week, I'm not winning much money. I'm not losing much. I'm not winning much. Is it time for me to sit down at the big boy table with three stacks of of high society or maybe half of that, which is the 15 grand? High society is $10,000. And I think that's something that uh, Brian Koppelman added to gambling jargon as he wrote the script. 
for rounders. He writes billions these days. You might know who he is, but I had him on the show a couple years ago. Unfortunately, a bad cell connection truncated the interview, but I wanted so much to talk with him about the movie The Pope of Greenwich Village, which he believes to be a, a great movie. He said he stole something from The Pope for rounders, and I had a couple of predictions of what it might have been, but we never got that deep into the interview. But nonetheless, some of the things Damon talks about with frequency in the film, in the narration, hold true when we're wagering on professional sports. You don't lose what you don't put in the middle. You don't gamble. You grind it out. You make moves from time to time. And I don't know what one big bet an hour would be. That's what the goal is. We win one nice bet an hour, says McDermott. I don't know what that is in the NFL. Is that is that one really big weekend a month? One go for it weekend? I don't, I'm not sure. I don't know what the what the correlation would be. But I think it's time to put some skin on the table. I think it's time to get in the game and make a move that means something. You can win 50 here, you lose 110 there. Let's make a move. My boat's worth about 15K. Should I I put my fishing boat up for for wagering? (laughs) My oldest son wouldn't be too happy about that. What's the best future on the board? Have you looked at Super Bowl odds? Have you looked at postseason awards lately? There's a return on investment Super Bowl team, and I've been talking about them since August when they went off at bigger odds than what I thought they should have gone off at. And that's the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. They are 11-1 to right now to win Super Bowl 57. That's plus 1,100. If you go to a site and you're not familiar with the language, says plus 1,100. That means you win 100 for every 100. or 11, yeah, 11 to 1 odds. That's what you win. They were 13 to 1 going into last weekend. The favorite for Super Bowl 57 remains Buffalo at plus 375, followed by Kansas City. Kansas City and Philadelphia are both plus 150. That pays four and a half to one return on investment. The Cowboys are nine to one plus 900. The 49ers also are nine to one. Long shots, if you want to just light your money on fire, the Vikings are 20 to one. So are the Ravens. The Dolphins are 22 to one. But I'm, I'm looking at the Ravens. I'm sorry, the the Bengals, as a real nice futures move here. How much is the question on that 11 to 1 investment? I believe in diversifying my portfolio, so I'm not only going to play the Bengals. I might be inclined to take a team from each conference. Now, most of us are of the mindset the AFC is more talented than the NFC. Maybe Philadelphia is a great team, but there's there's more depth in the AFC. You have Kansas City, you have the defending champion Bengals, and of course you have the Bills who remain the favorite even though they've limped through the middle of the schedule and into recent weeks. Um, man, I, I'm just, I, I, I like the Bengals because I love Joe Burrow. I think Joe Burrow is such an effing stud. I, 
at 11 to one. God, he's hard to pass up. So what do we put down a nickel on that 500 bucks? That's a nice return on investment. I don't know. I'm going to think about this over the weekend. Maybe you can offer me some of your best suggestions. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't like anybody other than Philly. I said this last week. If you want to take anybody other than Philly or San Francisco, I'll, I'll take those two teams. You could have the field in the NFC, but I like Cincinnati to outscore either of those two teams. I, I like, uh, the Chiefs' chances. I like Buffalo's chance. I think those three teams, I feel much better about the Bengals, the Chiefs, and the Bills to win the Super Bowl than I do Philadelphia or certainly San Francisco, now with a 22-year-old first-year quarterback running the show. So I'm thinking about making a move here just on who wins the NFC. And Philadelphia right now is the favorite, of course, And they still return money on the dollar. This is what's surprising me that they're plus 160 today, which pays you 60% on your, on your investment. Now I say pounce on that. If, if your stockbroker told you, Hey, I got something that today, uh, is trading at $40 a share, but we're going to be, we're, we're going to be up 60% in three months. By the time we get to Super Bowl 57, you will have made 60% on your money. You'd pounce on that, right? You'd, you'd be all over that. Who wouldn't? That's what Philly is right now to win the NFC, just plus 160. You're making 60% on your money. You're not losing double your money. They're not minus 200. I'm surprised the the wagers haven't pushed more on this to get that number into negative territory. I'm going to I'm going to jump in on that. And I think San Francisco at plus 350, that's a nice return on investment especially for a team that I would call the best defensive team in the league. I don't think that's going out on a limb at all. Um, Brock Purdy, I don't know, maybe Jimmy G is back, but even if Jimmy Garoppolo returns to the 49ers, I don't love him in, in a shootout scenario. Uh, If you get to a shootout, if you're lucky enough to put points up on San Francisco's defense, Debo Samuel remains a huge question mark for their future. The Cowboys also are plus 350. I'm not in on the Cowboys. When the Cowboys win an NFC championship game, let me know. When they get to one, let me know. It's been ages since they've done either. And San Francisco, the rest of the way. They've got Seattle tonight. We know that's the start for Week 15. Then they've got Washington. That game is in Santa Clara. They've got to go to the Raiders on New Year's Day, then close the year on Jan 8 at home against the Arizona Cardinals. They won't win the one seed. Um, they may get a they may get a home game. They should get a home game as division winners, and I I think they're going to win. I only see them losing one of these last four if they lose any of them. So they should be in pretty good position, either at thirteen and four or twelve and five. So I I, I love Philadelphia to win the NFC. The question is, how much do I love them? Do I love them so much to put a huge bet down on him? Oof, I haven't made a huge bet in a long time. What's the biggest bet you ever made? 
I'd love to hear from you. You can get to me on Twitter at Danny Mac Show, or you can find me on Facebook. I'd love to hear your thoughts on these things. The most I ever weigh, uh, ever lost in a bet was 2000 um, and I paid 10 to 1 odds on that. I only bet $200 years ago. It was the Bears Super Bowl season of 06. Um, one of my two air partners, Harry Tynowitz, the old Mac Yurko and Harry show was just so head over feet over how well Rex freaking Grossman was playing. And I didn't think he was playing that well. Additionally, I thought he was injury prone and, uh, I suggested that he will not play all 16 games and Yurko agreed with me and the tiny one pushed back on it and said, I'll bet you he plays all 16 games. And I said, there's no way. I'll give you 10 to 1 odds. And it was a $200 bet. So I lost two grand on that bet. Am I willing to lose two grand I don't have right now unless I sell my boat on the Philadelphia Eagles? Mm, I don't know. I'm going to give that some thought over the weekend. Maybe when they're running laps around the Bears, you too will be convinced. Or maybe it won't even take until Sunday because Brock Purdy is lighting up the Seahawks tonight and he becomes the reason you want to jump on board with this NFC champion prop bet. MVP Hertz is minus 186. Patrick Mahomes is plus 200. Joe Burrow is plus 700. He opened at 22 to 1. I don't know if you were with me in August, but when I did my first wagering and prop bet show of the year, I said, Burrow is just getting no respect at all here. Why aren't wagers pounding this? Well, they have throughout the course of this season, and it started slow. You recall the first two weeks of the season, Burrow was sacked 13 times. And people are saying, oh, man, the Bengals ain't going back. Bengals can't protect. Their offensive line's worse than it was a year ago. They've gotten better. They've gotten better. And I know they're dinged up at wide receiver right now, but as long as Jamar Chase is healthy and those two running backs, Sam J.P. Ryan has done a fantastic job while Joe Mixon works his way back to good health. Uh, one of my favorite stories of the year is the comeback player of the year winner, and he probably already has copped the award. But in the event he craps the bed or gets hurt tonight, and Christian McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley have a record-setting Final Four games. Geno Smith's winning the award. He's minus six seventy. You willing to lose seven hundred dollars for every one hundred you wager? See, I think he's already won it because the numbers are staggering. He's sixth in passing yards with thirty-four hundred plus. His completion percentage, I'm talking about Geno Smith, the veteran of the Seattle Seahawks, who we all mocked back in September because they're going to battle with Geno Smith, a journeyman who busted out out east with the Jets. This guy sucked. 71.5% of his passes have been completed. He's averaging eight yards per attempt. That is among the leaders. He's thrown 25 touchdown passes with only eight interceptions. His rating for the season is 106.8. That puts him in the company of Jalen Hurts, who has the best rating at 108.4, and Tua 
at 108.2. And by the way, why have we been calling him Tua Tungliavayo? There's no N in Tua. I hear people call him Tuna Tungliavayo. That, that's a double. There's no ends. Let's get, let's take away his ends. I think that's one of the best stories in recent years. Geno Smith, what he has done. And it makes you wonder how in the F did so many people miss on this guy? Now, I understand you're a backup for a reason, and maybe his backups historically have stayed healthy, but you would think over 10 years you would get an opportunity somewhere with an injury where somebody thinks you have some value and get a chance to play because given a chance to play with Seattle, he has been fantastic. I've not seen a story like this. Kurt Warner was a guy who bounced around a little bit, bagging groceries, played in a, played in a knockoff, you know, subpar professional league arena football. I don't mean to mock it, but it's not the NFL. He was a journeyman. He, he was out of football. And then he wins an MVP and a Super Bowl MVP and is in the Hall of Frickin' Fame. I don't know if Geno Smith will get to the Hall of Fame at his age. He probably doesn't have enough miles left to uh, to put on the odometer. But, man, what a great story this year. And he he's going to win that Comeback Player of the Year award. So I want you to think about this with me as I wrap it up here for Week 15. And I apologize for being a smidge disjointed just a little bit in the second half of this one. But I got a lot of... A lot of plates spinning today, and I'm excited about all of these different topics because the NFL is just king shit to me. I just really love this stuff, and I had 10 pages of notes, and some of them got jumbled around. But I want you to think about the best bet of the year moving forward. If you were to take a large sum of money that you're not going to miss, money you can afford to part with, like my boat, for example. I don't need it until May. So... I put my boat up, and I think I get about fifteen hundred, 15k for it. It's a it's a musky fishing boat, bass fishing boat, combo ski boat, seventeen and a half tracker with a one fifteen and a real nice trolling motor and some electronics. Couple of live wells, nine foot rod locker. It's a nice boat for a guy who does what I like to do when I get on the water. But uh, it's probably I could probably sell it online and get fifteen grand for it. Um, do I put that, how do I diversify that? That's what I wanted to ask you. How do I diversify that attack? I like the Bengals at 11 to one to win the Super Bowl. I like the Eagles at plus 160 to win the NFC. And I'm also thinking about some of these postseason awards. Do you have the sack to be willing to lose 700 bucks to win a hundred? <laughs> I don't. I can't bet Geno Smith. My luck, I'd plunk down on him tonight and he gets hurt. And then Christian McCaffrey has 300 yards from scrimmage in the same game and steals the award right out of his mitts on uh, on Amazon Prime. I was going to say in front of the country, but on Amazon Prime, it is anything but that because there are a lot of people who are not watching 
Thursday night football because of the streaming issues. I am not watching it live because I don't like the jumpy ass feed I'm getting. Someone says you need to get your computer. Yeah, whatever. I record at 1115 on NFL Network and watch it at three o'clock Friday morning. I'm good not seeing it live. I can watch it in one hour and not spend so much meaningful time with Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet. Hope you have a great weekend. Uh, Refresh your course. Betting the Bears. Betting the, I'm sorry, betting the Eagles against the Bears betting the over in that game, betting the Bengals and possibly, um, you know, looking at, uh, looking at the Niners as a long shot. There's lots of opportunities to make money. You don't win if you don't put anything on the table. Adam Delavitt is the big boss at Bet Rivers Network. Sam Michael is my executive producer. Thanks for listening. I'll be back with week 15 wrap-up on Monday before you're ready for lunch if you want it. Have a great weekend. I'm Danny Mac, and I'm Tail Lights. Thanks for listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.